0: We love you, Lord. We worship you. That's why we gather here. God has truly made a dramatic change in our life. And he has given us a purpose for living. I know what's going through your mind. You're saying, Bill, what are you doing up here? (laughs) Pastor John got sick uh, all this week with the cold. It's a very serious cold. He's been to doctor treatment. And Lord willing, he'll be back with us Next, next week, to, to continue our, his messages from the book of Revelation, we're just getting to the really the exciting part and uh, the great news of Revelation. As Pastor John always says, and he wants me to tell you, that he loves you. And the reason why he says that, I think one of the reasons he says that he loves you is because you force him to get into the Word of God each week and give you information from God's Word on how you can grow and mature in your walk with your Lord. And that's the only agenda that he has. He wants, wants you to live a changed life. And the only way we do that is through the Word of God and see what God's Word has to say. And I know what Pastor John would say right now to me. he said, Bill, get to the message. <laughs> you know, we're going to be taking a look we're going to take a look at Colossians. So if you open your Bibles to Colossians, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you go to Acts and Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And then when you, you'll come to Colossians, right after Philippians. If you're in 1 and 2 Thessalonians, you've gone too far to the right. Go back to the left, and you'll be right there in the book of Colossians the first chapter verse 1 and I'm going to speak to you for a few minutes on I am thankful for you the Apostle Paul is saying that to the church at Colossae but I want to say that from a personal standpoint even at the very beginning as a pastor here at the Rock Community Church I am thankful for you The famous Scottish preacher, his name is Alexander White, he was known as an appreciator around the turn of the century. He loved to write postcards to people, thanking them for some kindness blessing that they had brought to their life. Those messages brought a touch of encouragement to a heart just when it was most needed appreciation, encouragement is great medicine for the soul. Some of you have been on the end of it where you encourage somebody by sending them an email or visiting them or making a phone call. Or maybe you've been on the other end of it. You were in going through deep waters and a good friend Wrote you a little note saying, I care for you. I'm going to be there for you. We've all hopefully and prayerfully been on that end of it. It's important that all of us have a good friend. Someone that we can count on no matter the circumstances that will always be there for you. For you that know me, the one such person for me in my life that's always been a great encourager and she's done it for 45 years is my wife, Dolores. Dolores. Um, Thank you. Um, She's been such a blessing to me. But we're going to hear from a great encourager. His name is the Apostle Paul. And if you've ever written or listened to his writings in every one of his epistles, he will say somewhere there of encouraging to those people, to that church that he wrote to or to an individual, whether it be Philemon or Titus, Or Timothy, he is saying words of encouragement to them. Such a great encourager. So, he writes in the book of Colossians, and we're going to be in the first chapter, verses 1 through 8. And he writes to these Colossian believers, and he says to them, I thank God for you, and I pray for you. Boy, what an encourager. But in every one of his epistles, after he says all of that, he talks about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ meant everything to this man of God called the Apostle Paul. And we can learn so much from him. Let's read these encouraging words that he writes to the church at Colossae. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the Saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae grace to you and peace from God our Father we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the Saints Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also it constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Father, I thank you for the life of the Apostle Paul. Father, what a great example you left for us in this man who loved you so much, a man that was such an encourager. Father, I pray that you will teach us today from your word. Father, show us, show us how you would want us to live our lives. Father, we want to love you. We want to worship you. Father, we want to serve you. That's why we're all of us here today are gathered. Father, because we love you. Father, be with Pastor John. Father, you know our hearts desire that heal his body so that he'll be back with us and telling us about that glorious place that we're going to in the future. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, here's the scene for the writing of the the book of Colossians. The Apostle Paul has taken a trip by way of the Mediterranean Sea to Rome. Rome is to the left of Macedonia and Greece. They put him under house arrest there are four Petronian guards there for six hours at a time on four shifts, 24 hours a day. He's under house arrest because of his proclamation and his love of Jesus Christ, because of his faith. He was bold in his faith for Christ. Now, he writes to a group of people in Colossae who he's never seen. Where is Colossae? If you look in kind of the top the orange area you'll see Ephesus. Ephesus is where he spent a lot of time and then to the right of that about 100 miles are three cities Hierapolis, Colossae and Laodicea. Paul had never been there. How do we know that? From studying the book of Acts you see that on his three missionary journeys he never made that far he never made that place. In his first missionary journey, he went only as far as Pisidia. On his second missionary journey, which you see by the red line, he went north of that area. And on his third missionary journey, he went north, but not quite as far. He went by Phrygia. He has never been there. And he has heard, while he's under house arrest, people are able to visit him. And they begin to share with them about what's going on in Colossae. So he writes this encouraging letter to these men and women of the faith. How do we know? And One of the things I want you to think about for a minute. If you were under a house arrest, what would you be thinking? Would you be thinking about yourself? This shows you what a man of God he is. He's not even thinking about himself and saying, woe is me. He is thinking of other people. He's writing this letter of encouragement to other people. And here, he's under house arrest. This shows you how much he loves God. This shows you how much he loves other people, and he's encouraging to them. So, how do we know, because the book of Acts doesn't say that he made that trip, here's another way that we know that he had never been there. Look there in your Bibles at verse 4. Since we heard of your faith. See, he heard of their faith. He wasn't actually there. Look at verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it. In other words, your love in the Spirit. See, he heard of it. Now just turn over to chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. See, he was having an impact. They had not seen his face. See, he mentions Laodicea. He's writing Colossae. Hierapolis is right there in that same area. See, the Colossae church is an outgrowth of the Apostle Paul's ministry. If you saw on that map, he went to Ephesus twice, on his second missionary journey and then on his third missionary journey. On his second missionary journey, he spent three years there. There were people that were coming from all over as far as 100 miles to listen to his message. Hierapolis, Laodicea, Colossae, they were all in Asia. Hearing this message, How do we know that? Listen to this. This is from Acts, the 19th chapter and verse 10. It chronicles every trip that he took. Listen to what he says. All they that dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greek. It wasn't just in Ephesus. It was spreading. It was spreading like a wildfire. The gospel of Jesus Christ And who was one of the the proponents of it? Who was one of those evangelists? Many of you may have never heard of him. I would love to, I'm going to meet him someday. His name is Epaphras. Epaphras. Turn to chapter 4, verse 12 there. And we learn a little bit about Epaphras. We find out where the Apostle Paul heard about this church at Colossae. He's a native. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. Epiphras, who is one of your number. That means he was there in Colossae. Epiphras was. He is a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Sends you his greetings. Where is epiphras right now? He's there visiting. He's visiting the Apostle Paul under house arrest. His life is in danger. If you associate with the Apostle Paul, your life is in danger. He says, one of your number, one of your number, look at verse 13. What an evangelist this man must have been. Listen to it. He says, For I testify for him, Epiphras, that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. See, Epiphras, he just wasn't from Colossae, Hierapolis, Laodiceus. He is spreading the gospel. It is spreading like wildflower, even into today, the year 2012. For if you'll turn back to chapter 1, verse 7, listen to what Paul says about Epaphras again. Chapter 1, verse 7. They heard the gospel from Epaphras. He says, just as you learned it from Epaphras. Epiphras spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to this church at Colossae. So, what does Paul do? He introduces himself to this letter and then he greets them. Look how he introduces himself. In verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. See, he was an apostle. He says, I was an apostle born out of due time. This speaks to his authority. And he wanted to make everybody sure that you knew that he was the apostle of Jesus Christ. I want you, and I encourage you, would you please read this, this, these four chapters this week? It doesn't take you very long. It talks about the preeminence of Christ. He talks about how Christ's name is mentioned 25 times, the name Lord, how that Christ is his Lord nine times. He was in love with his Lord. And then he goes on to say, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, he was an apostle because he wanted to be an apostle. It was ordained by God. God, he had an encounter with God on that Damascus road. And it changed his life forever. And, he took, and the Lord told Ananias, this man is a chosen one of mine and he's going to spread this gospel to the Gentiles. He was probably even thinking of Asia. And then he says, Timothy, our brother. There he is. Timothy's with him. Isn't Timothy always with the Apostle Paul? This young man in the faith. You know what he called him? He says, you are my spiritual son, Timothy. Yes, when you read 2 Corinthians, Timothy is there. Philippians, Timothy is there. First and 2 Thessalonians, Timothy is there. When you read Philemon, Timothy is there. Paul traveled with young Timothy and said, t- Timothy, I'm going to disciple you. I am going to disciple you. You come along with me. My question to you, who has discipled you. Can you go back? Anybody that you can think of that has discipled you? Or even better, you've, many of you have sat under Pastor John's teaching for so many years. Have you discipled someone? Are you in the process of discipling someone? I was discipled. His name is Earl White. He was my pastor when I was 20 years old. And uh, it was between my junior year and my senior year at SC. I'd been saved for 10 years. And he got me excited about the Lord. Can you believe it? He got me up at 3.30 in the morning and we would have Bible study in the pastor's office. And that summer he poured his life into me. By the way, I never did tell him I... I went home and took a nap in the afternoon. <laughs> and you know what I did? If somebody has affected you that way for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, just like Paul's encouraging these people, write that person a letter or a note or an email or a phone call. This message got a hold of me these last two days, and I've done it before to Pastor White, but I wrote him an email. This message convicted me. Pastor White, I want to thank you again for discipling me as a young man of 20 years. Uh, he, t- he, was, he was the first one to take me up to the Church of the Open Door. And, uh, and I got a chance to study uh, at SC on Thursday nights from J. Vernon McGee when he had black hair. And Jay Vernon McGee has been home with the Lord for over 20 years and still has the Bible bus. You still continue to disciple me 49 years later through your devotionals. He sends me a devotional. I'd like to say he only sends me a devotional, but there's a lot of people on his email list. <laughs> but I want to make it personal for you. Who have you discipled or who has discipled you It's like a cup of cold water. Encourage that person. Send them a note. It'll mean the world to them. Then he then he identifies who he's writing it to. He's writing it to saints. In verse two, he says, "It's to you, saints. Each one of you that know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, walking with Him, you are a saint. It is Hagios, the Holy One. See, we have been made holy and righteous." through the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It has nothing to do with our righteousness. Our righteousness is all as filthy rags. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For him who knew no sin took our sins on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when we appear in glory with him in the future, We're going to be wearing white linen, and the white linen represents the righteousness of Christ. Then he goes on to say, to my faithful brethren, my faithful brethren. Wouldn't you like Paul to say that about you? My faithful brethren. He points out three different people in Colossians. So let's take a look at them. The first one is Epaphras. Look at chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says he's a faithful servant of Christ. Turn to chapter 4 now, verses 7 and verses 9. He says, while you're turning there, he told Philemon, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greet you. See, Epaphras was there. He was there for the Apostle Paul. He was risking his own life by being there in Rome. He wasn't in hiding. I want to know more about Epaphras. And then there's Tychicus. Tychicus is found in chapter 4, verse 7. Our beloved brother and faithful servant, Tychicus he was a convert from asia he traveled with the apostle paul the apostle paul sent him to ephesus to minister there and then there's onesimus in chapter 4 verse 9 onesimus our faithful and beloved brother onesimus he was a slave to philemon you remember that small one chapter book philemon philemon his residence was in colossae he had a slave His slave's name was Onesimus. He ran away. He was a runaway slave. He went all the way from Colossae to Rome. And guess who he ran into? The Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, if you spent very much time with him, it would come around to the gospel. And God did a work in Onesimus and he got saved. And it changed his life. And Paul writes this to Philemon. Onesimus was useless, now he is useful to you and me. Put any wrong he owes to you on my account. He says, Onesimus, my faithful and beloved brother, I don't care who you are. If you're a free man, if you're a slave or whatever, can you be a faithful servant of Christ? What do you want people to say about you? Do you want people to say that, well, that guy right there, he's a great CEO. Or that guy is a great athlete. No. Paul said, and I think we want to hear these words, you're a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, you are in Christ Christ. You are in Christ. See, that's your position. And once you begin your walk with the Lord, you are in Christ. That's why I want you to read the book of Colossians this week. Eleven times he says, you are in Christ if you're walking with him. And then he greets them. He says, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Well, who's it from? in verse 2 from God our Father yes God God is the author of grace and peace in every one of his letters to a church or to a human being he says grace and peace to you on two places he says grace mercy and peace it's because the grace of God that each one of you here that know Jesus Christ you know you have a purpose in living It's because of the grace of God. And it's because of that grace of God, you have peace. When you lay your head down at night, you have peace that you know if anything was to happen, you would immediately be in the presence of the Lord. Paul says, grace and peace to you. And then he comes to the point in verse 3, it's time for me now to encourage you. I'm going to say to you, we give thanks to God for you in verse 3, and I pray for you in three different areas. Here are the three different areas that he prays for them. I call them the trilogy of virtue. Anytime you read writings from the Apostle Paul, it's faith, hope, and love. He shares with them the three trilogies of virtue, faith, hope, and love. I'm only going to pick out two places to illustrate my point. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter and verse 13, you see this trilogy. I look around and I see at least three three couples that I've married are here today. And at their wedding, I had the honor of doing, I read this to them. Amen. <laughs> but now, faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I even see some parents <laughs> of kids that I married. It's good to see Al. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of God our Father. So Paul says, I thank God for you. I am praying for you because, number one, verse four, your faith towards your Lord. Number two, your love towards each other. Verse 4. Number 3. Your hope towards the future, which is heaven. Let's take a look at number 1. Their faith towards the Lord. Look at verse 4. Their faith in Christ Jesus. It makes all the difference in the world. Verse 5 and 6. I want you to look at the last two words in verse 5. And then look at verse 6. They heard the gospel. The gospel which has come to you. Who brought the gospel to them? Somebody had to bring it. It was Epaphras. Remember in verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras. Paul, he reminded the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter in verse 1 through 4, he says, I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. He even said another place there, he says, I've come, I come only to preach Christ and Him crucified. That's my whole message. He said that in the second chapter. What is the good news? What is the gospel? He says that Christ died for your sins according to the Scripture and that He was buried and raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's why you have a purpose in life. Epaphras shared the gospel with Colossae. Paul spread the gospel to Corinth and later Apollos. Who spread the gospel to you? Think about that for a minute. Was it a year ago? Or was it almost 60 years ago that somebody shared the gospel with you? As a young boy, across the street, lived my grandmother, at a, at a Morris, and I would sit at her feet. Her Bible was all worn from use and she had spread the good word to me. Then, on every Saturday night, mom and dad would sit me and Diana down and we'd go over our Sunday school lesson. We had a little old Sunday school booklet. We'd all go, and st- my dad was a Sunday school superintendent. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. Then there was Leela Blackburn. She was my Sunday school teacher, and she was my vacation Bible school teacher that day in 1952, July 23rd. That The pastor, A.A. A. Harris, preached the gospel, just like any other, other time, on that Friday afternoon about 1130 just before vacation Bible school was going to break up and God began to draw himself to me it was different for some reason that day and, I, and before I got out of that pew yes it wasn't a chair <laughs> it was a pew and before I hit that old mourners altar I knew God had, he'd done a work in my life Who? who told you about Christ. Write that person a note maybe. Or get on the phone. Or it may be your spouse. Yes. You know what was centered in on? Verse 4, your faith in Christ Jesus. It's a message of God's grace. And the Apostle Paul was relentless. He was proclaiming this word of God throughout that Roman Empire. And we have it even till today. It was bearing fruit. Listen to chap- verse 6. The gospel which has come to you, just as in the world, also is constantly bearing fruit, increasing, even as been doing in you also, since the day you heard of it. It is bearing fruit. People are getting saved. Lives are being changed. That's why you're here today. God has done a work in your life. Then, finally, their love towards each other. Number two, their love towards each other. Paul was thankful for them because they had a love for each other. Verse 4 and the love which you have for all the saints. The fact that these people loved all the saints was proof that God had changed them and given them eternal life. If you're walking with the Lord, you have eternal life right now. You don't have to wait for it. Christian love is the work of the Holy Spirit, he says there in verse 8. He also informed us of your love in the Spirit. This is what he told the church at Rome. He put it this way. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And God does, it, does the work. John 13, 35, By this all men know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one for another, I see that in you. I've been to hospitals with you. When a person was in deep straits, And you read scripture to them and you prayed with them and they knew they weren't alone and they had the reassurance that God was with them. I've seen you move people. At just an email, 20 or 30 people show up to help other people. I've seen you support this church financially week in and week out. So this, the word of God, that's what it's all about, is that the word of God will go out. I've seen you individually. There's people here, men here that came together and bought a brand new refrigerator for a woman that needed it. A washer and a dryer for another woman. They couldn't get it through the door so they had to take the door off and had to put the door back on. I see helping hands. I see the food pantry. You donate food. You recycle things so that our kids can go to camp. We do everything that we do is to get the message back of the love of Jesus Christ. And I see that in you, and I want to thank you personally as a pastor, one of the pastors here at the Rock Community Church. And then finally, number three, they had a hope towards the future. Verse five. See, they're looking forward to the joys of heaven. In verse five it says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, Heaven. See, in this passage, faith and love are based upon hope. The key words is because of hope. This states the cause and the reason of their faith and love because of their future. And I really think there's a better choice of words when we use the word hope. A better choice of words would be Anticipate with confidence. Confident expectations. For you see in Titus, Paul wrote to Titus, he said, Titus, in the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long of ages ago. For you see, this is the driving and motivating force. The Apostle Paul, he'd had no fears In that house arrest, he knew God was in control of his life. And he knew where he was going to spend eternity. And he wrote these words because of the hope laid up. He used the words laid up just before he died. Just before he died, he spoke these words. It's some of his last words from 2 Timothy. He says, My life is being offered as a drink offering. For my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness whom the righteous judge will give to me. But not only to me, but all of you that love His appearing. That love His appearing. Yes, we have a wonderful future. So let me close with this. Paul was always thankful to God for the people that he ministered to, whether it be a church or individuals. And I was just thinking as I was putting this message together, I was thinking, if Paul were here today, what would he say to each one of you individually at the Rock Community Church? And I think Paul might say I thank God for you and I pray for you. I think, I want you to remember this, he would say, you are important to the Rock Community Church. So, in closing, when you're under house arrest you put things into perspective. You forget about the temporal things and you think about the eternal things. And Paul said, I thank God for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your love towards each other, your hope towards the future. And then Saturday night, just before I gave this message, I wrote myself a note. And it concerns you, part of it concerns you. I give thanks to God for what Christ has done in my life and in the life of my family and you at the rock community church your faith in the Lord your love towards each other and the hope that you have in the future father I thank you for your word father may we take what you've taught us today and apply it to our lives this coming week Thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul of being such an encourager. May we as your saints, Father, uh, encourage one another in each and everything that we do. May we be a lighthouse, just like Paul was, of your gospel to a lost and dying world. I ask your blessings upon those that are here today. Father, may you bring us back again next week. As Pastor John tells us about that glorious time of the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and earth, that city foursquare, it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.